Genesis is a foundation for every Christian. If you understand Genesis, you've gone a long way to understand the Word of God. A lot of things will come out of this which will spiritually impact you and also will give you a better understanding of the whole Bible and the world we are living in. There's three things that you and I should know. First of all, we should know God. Who He is, what He does for us, and how we can come to Him. That's what we need to know. That's what we need to teach our children. The second thing we need to know is who am I? Where do I come from? What is God's purpose and plan for me in this life? I'm not just something that happened. As this world you are looking out there is not just something that happened. And the third thing we need to know is the world we're living in. This world that we are living in, that's created by Him. And we need to teach our children that. How can you teach your children something that you yourself don't know? You see, we get into marriage. And we haven't got any training to go into marriage. All we have to look at is mom and dad. We look at their marriage and then we just copycat what they've got in our marriage. If dad said it isn't so, then I'm taking it into my marriage. But what is the proof, the blueprint plan for marriage? It's right here in the book. And we're going to see all of those things over the next couple of weeks. And what about myself, my relationship with God? It's all written up in the book of Genesis. Now, before I start and getting into the verses, I want to make one thing clear today. That the Bible is not out to try to prove the existence of God. You've got to have the conviction in your heart that there is a true God. And this is, I mean, there's so many books that's written to prove the existence of a God or gods. The Buddhists have got their own books written to prove that their God is their God. Islam has got their book to prove that Allah is the prophet of, uh, Allah is the true God and Muhammad is the prophet of that God. And they write books about it. The Mormons has got a book which they say was given to Smith and that proves. And, and what they say is that when you read this book prayerfully, you're going to feel a warm tingling coming down from your kidneys upward in your spine. And when you feel that tingling, it's proof that the book is true. We're not busy with that. We're busy with the absolute truth. We are busy with the real God. The only existing God. And it's Him who made all these things. And we're going to start, when we read in the book of Genesis, to know more about Him. Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. It says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, when time started, I want you to know one thing is that God didn't start then and there. God existed. This is just the beginning of this earth. Before time was, God was there. He hasn't got a birthday and a day that he died. God existed. It tells us that the earth just, just didn't happen. It wasn't a big bang. I want you to look at that word there which says created. The Hebrew word for that word comes from the word bara. B-A-R-A. Bara means to create something out of nothing which you can recognize. 
So it says in the beginning, out of nothing, God created something. God spoke it into existence. He borrowed everything into existence. Out of nothing, He created this. Isaiah 48 verse 13 says, Indeed, my hand has laid the foundation of the earth, and my right hand has stretched out the heavens. When I call to them, they stand up together. Isaiah 40 verse 12, Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, measured the heaven with a span, and calculated the dust of the earth in a measure? Who did that? God did that. I think that's the next thing. Who created all of this? We have to understand it says God created God created. In the Hebrew, they use the form Elohim there in that passage. Elohim is a plural form. And if you read it into the sentence, in the beginning Elohim created the heavens and the earth, you would think it is one person. It sounds like singular. But they use the form Elohim, which is plural, three in one. That's one of the first signs for us that God is a God of Trinity. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Verse 2. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. It's unimaginable to think how the earth looked. It is like a potter who comes and he takes a hump of clay and he put it down and you say it's just a mass of nothing. It, it looks void. It looks as if there's nothing in it. There's no form. There's nothing that makes sense out of all of this. And it says it was without form and void. And darkness was on the face of the deep. It was just dark. The Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. There we have the first sign of the Holy Spirit. It talks about the Spirit of God hovering above the waters. Now that was in a physical sense. May I just make it a little bit spiritual here? When we get into sin, when we were born in this nature, everything was dark around us because of sin, our natural nature. But there's good news. For every single person who's born into this world with this lost nature of sin, which is chaos in your life, your life seems to just run into one problem after another. And when you describe your life to people, you say, my life is just chaos. And there's just darkness over my life. There's good news in the very second verse of the Bible. It says that the Spirit of God is hovering over the darkness. The Spirit of God is hovering. For parents who are praying for their children, you might look at your child and you say, that child is so lost. There's no hope. There's always hope. While they are alive, they still hope. And all you've got to pray is say, Lord, that Spirit, Holy Spirit, that's hovering over that child's life, I pray one day that that light will go into that life. And we will see it now. Right in the beginning of the Bible, salvation is already shown to us. Then in verse 3, Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. God said, there's power in the word of God. He just spoke things into existence. You know why that makes me excited? 
Because in John chapter 1 verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And in verse 14 it says that that Word became flesh and lived amongst us. We know that John chapter 1 verse 1 talks about Jesus. And we know that in verse 4 it says that He was the light that came into this world. He brought the light from God into a dark world. That's in the New Testament. Here in the Old Testament we read that the world was without form, void, it was chaos, there was darkness. And the first thing that God does when He creates, He said, let there be light. And this is the step for a person who is lost in sin to get order in his life is to get the light of God in his life. That brings order. If I turn all the lights out in this place and I've, I close all the windows and it's pitch dark in here and I throw all the chairs all over the place and we ground all the people on that side of the room and I say within five seconds you need to touch the other wall. What's going to happen? Chaos. Why? Will you be able to see the chairs? You run for the wall and all of a sudden you run into somebody else. Or you bump over, or you fall and you hit your head. It will be a scream, it will be blood, it will be a scene which you don't want to see. But the moment that I turn the lights on, you can see the chairs, you can jump over them and you can, you can protect yourself against other people and you will reach your goal. In your life, you've been running without the light of God. You've been falling over things. You've been bumping your head against the same problem all over again. Things happen to you and you say, Lord, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm sick and tired of crying out because it seems to me that all things happens to me in threes and in fours and in fives. My life is chaos. All you need is the light of Christ to shine into your heart. But let's look at the physical side. God said, let there be light. Is he talking about the sun here? This light was shining from him. It was his light that was the light that shone into this darkness, into this chaos. At the end of verse 3 it says, So the evening and the morning were the first day. Now people ask the question, is this years? Is this maybe a million years? Was the first day a million years long? Or was it a 24 hour day? I'm one of those who hold on to it was a 24-hour day. It was one day like we know a day. But the day then is the same how the Jews today still hold their days. It doesn't start 12 o'clock tonight. You know when we go to midnight? When, today is Sunday. When is it going to be Monday? 12 o'clock tonight. It's going to be Monday. With the Jews and in the biblical scenes... The next day started at the evening. You see, Sunday will only run for them until evening. And when evening starts, that's the new day for them. And that's why with the Sabbath, starts at evening. And then it runs to the next evening. So if they prepare for Sabbath, they have to make sure that everything they prepare, the food and everything, is prepared before evening. And then they go to sleep. And the next morning when they wake up, there's nice food around, okay? And this is how they work. It's fascinating. It's great stuff. Verse 6. Then God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. 
Thus God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven. So the evening and the morning were the second day. Have a look at divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. This was one all big mass of water. God brought life into it. And then God said, He divided it with His words. He sort of pulled the water away from the water. The firmament thus probably consisted of a vast blanket of water, of vapor, that just covered the earth on the outside. Maybe in the stratosphere or the ionosphere. High above the earth. It was like a blanket of water just just filling the earth or, or surrounding the earth. And then on the inside was the earth with its own water. And the mist out of the water would, would, if they planted things, would make those things grow. No wonder Eden was such a brilliant place. It was like a green house. And uh, if I can just have Al Gore to sit here this morning, I want to tell him something. I want to say, Al Gore, global warming is not because of all these gases that they pump into the atmosphere. Global warming started with the flood. And you won't stop it. Will somebody just write that down and email it to him? It protected the world against the sun rays. Once we come to the flood, we'll see how this all changed. He, he divided the firmaments and then he called it heaven. That is the first heaven. It's the heaven that you can see here. It's where the clouds are now. It's where the birds fly. It's where the aeroplanes fly. That's the first heaven. Look at verse 9. Then God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and gathered together the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herbs of the, the herb that yields seed, and the, the tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself in the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the third day. Day number three, God made this earth we are standing on, the dry land. And he put on this earth for us grass and herb that yields seed and fruit trees that brings forth fruit. And I want you to notice another word which many people miss, after its own kind. And I, I think it is a purpose that God mentions to us grass separate from the herb, separate from the fruit tree. And isn't it amazing that Darwin is wrong with his evolution theory. Because here we have vegetation on the earth. We've got grass, we've got herbs, and we've got fruit trees without a sun. Have you ever thought about that? Because if you plant something today, they will tell you it needs the sun. It needs sunlight. And here we have all of these things that God created in the day without sun. He divided the earth from the waters, the sea. There was division. God's a God of order. 
He divides things. There's natural laws which he started putting to place now. Everything of God has got order. And here he's putting things in place. Verse 14, Then God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years. Verse 15, And let them be for the lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light to the earth. And it was so. Then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also, and God set them in the firmament of the heavens to divide the light from the earth, and to rule over the day and over the night, and to divide the lights from the darkness. And God saw that it was good, so the evening and the morning were the fourth day. So this is an amazing question. It's the fourth day. On which day did God bring light? The first day. He said, let there be light. And now he makes the sun and the moon. And all the other planets and all the stars. He made it on the fourth day. On day one, two and three, there was no sun. We are bound in our day and age now by that light. Because if that light goes down, another day of your life is gone. And that's why the Bible says man is like grass. Today it's really nice. Tomorrow it just dies and it withers away. And who's counting it down? The sun that goes whew, up and down and it races to get up again and go down again. It gives the reasons for that. Let there be lights in the firmament of heavens to divide the day from the night and let it be for the signs of the season for days and years. Let light divide day from night. That's why it was done. And signs. What signs? We read in the book, in, of Matthew and, and in the Gospels, how Jesus talks about the signs of time. You will see it in heaven. We talk about season changes now. All these things must make us think in your heart that the return of Christ is soon. It's the signs that we're starting to see. And the moon, some people would think the moon is a light in itself. It's not. It's only reflecting the sunlight to the earth. And that's what we need to be. We need to reflect the light of the sun to other people. To verse 20. Then God said, let the waters abound with abundance of living creatures and let the birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament of the heavens. So God created the sea creatures and every living thing that moves with which the waters abounded according to their kind and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed him, saying, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas. And let the birds multiply on the earth. So the evening and the morning were the fifth day. One thing to notice again, according to its own kind. He made all the fish, the big whales and everything. He made them. Every single thing. Isn't he a great God? We look at nature and we say, How great are you, God? How big you are. Verse 24, then God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature according to its kind. Living creatures now, it's different from the fishes of the sea. Cattle and creeping things and beasts of the earth, each according to its kind, and it was so. And God made the beast of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. 
Don't you think that God is trying to let us know something? He repeats it so many times. After its own kind. It's not species, people. It's kind. He created something after its own kind. And we are going to be made differently from these animals. Let's have a look. Then God said, let us make man in our image. According to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth and over all the creeping things that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. Then God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. I can spend an hour on it. But for your sake I won't. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. There's a plural there. Let us. There's a plural there. That talks about the Trinity. God the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. There's three parts. Father, Son and Holy Spirit. It's important to know that. Because when He made us, He made us in His likeness and in His image. Let's look at the word Make, let us make man in our image. In the beginning, God created. That word for created was the word bara. You remember? Bara means to make something recognizable out of nothing. God said, let there be light, and there was light. God said, let there be seeds, and there were seeds, out of nothing. Yet with man, he says, let us make, that word make, comes from the Hebrew word Asha. Let us Asha man. You want to know what Asha means? It means to make something recognizable out of a formless mass. Wow, that's great. That got me excited. And I'll tell you why. God spoke everything into existence. How did He make man? He formed man out of the ground. It's just like a pile of wood. If I have a pile of wood and I throw them down in the middle here and I ask you, what is this? You'll say, oh no, it's just a pile of wood. I can't recognize anything out of it. And then you leave me for a day and I take a hammer and some nails and I build something recognizable. When you walk into this place, you say, oh, I can recognize it. It's a dollhouse for Syria. But yesterday you couldn't recognize it. I have ushered something. That's what I've done. Now, this makes me so excited because when God made you and me, He just didn't spoke us into existence. He personally started forming it because we are the crown of the creation. There's something special about you and me. He ushered us. He made something recognizable of us. In a spiritual sense, you look at your life and you say, Lord, I look at my life, I'm 40 years old, and from birth to 40 years old, everything is a big mess. Have you ever felt like that? For all these years, Lord, it's a mess. And people come to me and they say, you're worthless, you're worth nothing. And people just add it on to that. You know what? In one moment, God can usher something into your life and make something recognizable out of you. He can make you His child. He can make you His born-again child of God. He says, like, let us make them according to our image and likeness. What did He mean by that? Image. According to our image and our likeness. Well, image 
What is God? He says, let us. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's a three-part being, but it's one. In a way, He made us the same way. He made us two autonomous. Spirit, soul, body. He made us like Him. But we are not three gods. I'm not trying to say that we are three different gods. He's not three different gods. He's one God. But it's three. And we are spirit, soul, and body. And likeness, we can reason like God. He didn't give that to the animals. Animals is dichotonomous. They are body and soul. They haven't got a spirit. Spirit comes from God. Spirit belongs to God. If you die, your spirit goes back to God, soul lives on, and your body goes back to the ground. Awaiting the resurrection. But how did he make man? He made man a moral being to be able to choose. To be able to make decisions. Animals hasn't got that ability that you and I got. We are according to his likeness. You are not just something that was dreamed up. You are purposely made. And each one of us are differently made. But there's one thing that connects us with God. We are made after His likeness and after His image. And that includes everybody who sits in this place and everybody upon this world. Now whether you have fellowship with Him or not, that determines whether you are born again and a child of God or not. Now why did God make us? What's the reason? Come on, let's have a look. Let them have... Dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And it's so sad that it's not happening today. It's sad. Because you get people now who worship monkeys. Yes, that's right. They worship monkeys. Monkeys are their gods, and they worship them. And in other words, the monkeys has got dominion over man. I want to talk to these guys who are smoking dope, the wheat, the grass, because grass is now having dominion over them. They're not controlling themselves anymore. That thing is controlling them. It becomes to them a thing that they can't go without. It's controlling you. You, you want to honestly tell me in the face that God made a mistake in the Bible here? When he said, the reason why I made you is to have dominion over these things. And the reason why there's chaos in your life is because other things are controlling your life. There's a difference between us and the animals. Is there? There is. And look at the difference here in this verse. Compare what Jesus said to us in verse 28. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. See what he told the animals. He said, be fruitful and multiply. That is in uh, verse 22, by the way. And fill the waters of the sea and let the birds multiply on the earth. Is there anything there that he told them to subdue human mankind? Is there? Nothing. Nothing. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the sea and let the birds multiply on earth. That's what he told animals. But mankind, he says, subdue it. Fill the earth, subdue it. Have dominion over it. Dominion means to have total control over it. Verse 29. And God said, 
See, I've given you every herb that, that yields seed, which is on the face of the earth, and every tree who yields seed, that, you shall be, that it shall be for you as food. Also, to every beast of the earth, to every bird in the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food, and it was so. Question. What did the people eat, Adam and Eve? Fruit and seeds. They were vegetarians. <laughs> what did the animals eat? What did the lions eat? Big lions. I can just imagine this. Stalking its prey. Looking tentatively at its prey. Waiting until the right winds blow. Coming a little bit closer. Having his eyes set on his goal. And with a roar, he jumps onto the herb tree and he starts eating away on the tree. <laughs> but it's so. <laughs> and the bear. What did they eat? Come on, people. This is basic stuff. They ate seeds. They ate herbs. There's a difference. Let's have a look, see if you can find the difference. To man, he says... I've given you every herb that yields seed which is on the face of the earth. Every tree who yields seed, to you it shall be for fruit. So man he gave seeds and fruit. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life, I've given every green herb for food. What's the difference? They didn't get the fruit to eat. <laughs> we are blessed. We got the fruit. <laughs> They didn't get the fruit. They could only eat the herbs. And you look at animals now, like lions now, and you think, are they really going to eat just grass? If you walk past them and they didn't have food for a couple of days, are they going to see one big steak when you walk around? Or are they going to think, no, man, I'm just going to be happy and eat my, my herbs, my seeds. I'll just chew away with my big fangs on that. I had a man who asked me one day a question. He said, in Noah's Ark, you see, this is how they will come to you. And if you haven't got the basics down of the book of Genesis, you will be caught out. He came to you and he said, Noah's Ark, okay? There were lions on the ark. I said, yep, there were lions on the ark. He said, now, what did they eat? Oh, that's a difficult question. That's a very difficult question. What did they eat? So, in other words, Noah should have put more meat on there to feed these these lions and tigers and bears and so on. So what did they eat? You and I know now they didn't eat meat. And we will see in the book of Genesis when man and animals started eating meat. If you go to Darwinism and evolution, they say, well, explain to me those big fangs on them. How, did, how could they eat? I don't know. Maybe it's better to, to you know, grind away those herbs with those big, big fangs. I don't know. Let's pray.